0: you for joining me. My name is Pastor Rick. I'm the senior pastor of At the Well a special series that concerns strengthening your faith. And today's topic uh, is going to be the worldly Christian condition. And there is a condition uh, within the body of Christ that is has attached itself uh, to the world and the things of the world. It's still encompassing, it's still embracing the things of Christianity and its beliefs. Uh, but somehow a lot of people that have kind of gotten lost uh, in the overall scope of things. And so we're going to broach this subject. We're going to first go through some things so that we can uh, edify ourselves, so we can be strengthened, so we know what we're we're speaking about, and the direction that the Holy Spirit, with uh, His revelations for us, are taking us. So we don't want to lose anything. We want to grow from it. And I guarantee you, This will encourage you uh, and this will empower you because if you can see some things about yourself that need to be changed, or uh, if you see some things that are approaching you in the world, you want to make sure that these are of God and they're not distractions and that distraction is being used by the enemy uh, to basically sever us from the correct path. So again, we are speaking about the worldly Christian condition. Uh, So let's go ahead and let's kind of look at this. What does the word of God say? What is the Greek understanding, first of all, uh, of the the word worldly? What is it? Well, the word happens to be kosmikos, uh, direct connection. And this is the Greek word, kosmikos. It is the direct connection where we we get uh, a cosmos, uh, where we get uh, cosmetology, cosmetics, things like that. But this is the root word. And overall, it means pertaining to the world, a temporal uh, uh, position, a position that is attached to the world. Uh, It reflects the world's condition and understanding, but it is temporary. Now, how do we use it? Well, we use it in reference to things like the earth. Uh, Obviously, we use it for worldly conditions, but it belongs to the present earthly world as opposed to the heavenly realm. Uh, we understand, and we should understand as the body of Christ, is the uh, worldliness is a condition. Any condition that is a spiritual condition can be uh, eliminated, can be defeated, obviously with the Word of God, and we'll talk about that some more. But it's a condition. Just like a mindset is a condition, you can break mindsets, And you can break conditions so that they no longer affect you. So we know that there's an out on this one. We know that the blood of Jesus has already defeated these things. But the worldliness is kind of like something where you have let the world's values and perspectives in. And somehow you've meshed them and mixed them uh, into your Christianity, into your faith. And now we have to say that our authenticity of being a Christian, a biblical Christian, somebody who is definitely living their lives by the Word of God, people who are making decisions by the Word of God, there is no world in it. Uh, And so the worldliness is concerned, this condition is purely concerned with worldly affairs, especially to the neglect of spiritual things. Work is more important than my faith. Uh, paying the bills is more important than going to church or, or participating within the body of Christ. It's more important than me reading. Things in the world take over, they distract me, and now I have find my, my relationship with the Lord suffering because the world has come first and my faith has come second. Now, what comes out of my mouth is, oh, sure, I'm okay. I just gotta, I gotta do this first. Uh, you know, I, I'm always praying. I, I'm always doing this, but there, that's a condition, uh, and, and we can say it's a sellout condition. It's something to placate uh, my uh, my encounter with the Holy Spirit, who's bringing me conviction on the inside. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk to you about my about the conviction he's bringing me, uh, but he's bringing conviction. I, I need to put it somewhere. So I deal with it uh, as a condition. Uh, so when you have a fever, what do you do? You deal with it. You there's some kind of medical remedy. Uh, if you stub your toe, there's a some kind of remedy. You know, if you bump yourself, there's ice. There's there's remedy. But there is a remedy, as I mentioned, uh, in worldliness because it is a condition and it is a spiritual condition. It can be rectified by number one, the Word of God. All of this, every single teaching, is always has always got a remedy and the remedy is the word of God so right now what does the Bible say First Corinthians chapter three verses one through three we're gonna we're gonna kind of chop it up a little bit here but uh, verse one says, however brothers and sisters now this is Paul uh, and he's ch- uh, talking he's speaking to the church at corinth I could not talk to you as spiritual people, but only as to worldly people dominated by the human nature, mere infants in the new life in Christ. So, a lot of things were going on in Corinth. A lot of things are going on in our lives. But Paul is speaking to Corinth and he's speaking to you right now for a specific reason. Paul's goal was to treat them on a higher level, not a lower level, Uh, but their prevailing human nature prevented their spiritual advancement. So the intention, obviously, is to mature, and worldliness is immaturity, because I have a faith that I have... uh, I'm working on, uh, I'm working on this relationship with God. It is not a backwards motion; it's a forwards motion. A baby doesn't forget how to walk. Once it learns how to walk, the next step is it just walks faster. It's learned how to balance. The baby now uh, gets muscular, uh, you know, participation. They get stronger uh, in in their walking ability. But in Corinth, and many times in our lives today. Uh, life comes in, or, or people come in, or theologies come in, and we are tested. Our maturity is tested. And we either cave in uh, to the prevailing wind, or we stand up against the wind like a sail. And this is what Paul's talking about. The intention is for you to grow. The intention of the world is that you would remain immature. It doesn't want you to grow in the things of the faith. It wants you to remain as weak as possible so you can be under its control. Now, let's look at verse 2. The Bible says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Even now, you are still not ready. So, we can say that there's a starting point. Uh, There's a beginning. There's a genesis for everything, a genesis for the world, uh, the beginning of a career, uh, the even the beginning of, uh, of, of a thought, of an idea. There's always a beginning. Uh, you didn't have it before, but now you have it now, and then it develops into something. In this initial stage, when we're talking about faith now, in this initial stage, you are not expected to operate at a higher level. You are expected to operate at the level that you were at, but you are also expected to continue in a progressive motion, in a progressive direction. You are expected by the divine, by the divine encounter, the divine teaching, the Word of God, to grow in your faith. But many people are in a worldly mindset, so they are not ready. Paul wanted to speak to them uh, about the deeper things uh, of their faith— but he could not, because they were not ready. They had stagnated. They became dormant in their faith, which many Christians have become dormant in their faith. And when their faith is tested, then the, 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 the true condition of their faith is revealed. They either fall apart, or they're weakened, uh, or they kind of become spiritually numb, or ignore things, tuck things away. Um, but, the, but, but the divine expectation is that you would grow and progress forward. And now let's look at uh, verse number three. He says uh, to the church at Corinth, you are still worldly. You're still being controlled by ordinary impulses, the sinful capacity. This is the amplified, all of these uh, are, are the amplified For as long as there is jealousy and strife and discord among you, are you not spiritual or unspiritual? Are you not unspiritual? And are you not walking like ordinary men, unchanged by faith? Many are continuing, and I'm speaking about Christians right now, Many are continuing in the same manner as when they started. They're acting the same way. They're thinking the same way as when they were babies. They are controlled by fleshly impulses, which many times leads in sinful directions. You cannot live a Christian uh, live as a Christian, still controlled by the ordinary. Or the secular. The line for many Christians has been blurred. There is a line that has been drawn, and it's a line by the word of God, but we have blurred it. Nobody else blurred it, but in our wanting to appease the world and our our wanting to be liked and needed and respected in all of these earthly things, we have allowed our Christian duty our Christian uh, perspectives to be blurred. The things of God are now blurred. Uh, But we cannot, one thing that we, we, we know is that we cannot balance our spiritual walk with God while keeping one foot in the world. Many people believe that you can, but you cannot. It's either God or it is nothing at all. Many Christians believe that it's okay to have premarital sex. They believe it's okay to drink alcohol to excess. They, they they view pornography and even entertain homosexuality or unforgiveness and jealousy or envy. They have accepted these as norms. It's normal. It's part of Christianity. After all, isn't God a, a loving God? But that's not what that has to do with this. This has to do with Am I, am I mature enough in my faith to, to understand what God wants from me, expects from me, that divine expectation, and I, I must accept it in its entirety, not in its partiality, and not in little bits and pieces. I must accept it in its entirety, period. And that period is very important. Because it keeps the world at bay. The world's not going to go away. It's going to knock on your door every single day. But when you have a period, I accept everything the word of God has said, period, then the world, there's a powerful little period there. The world is held by that simple period because you agreed with that period. There was no comma, there was no uh, footnotes. Uh, There was no explanation or or afterthought. It is a period. It's done. It's yes and amen. So those things that I mentioned, those things of the world, they become distractions to spiritual advancement, which are a direct assault by the enemy on our faith. You want to know what an assault is? It is the agreement with a Christian With with a a concept that's in the world that goes against God, and and the enemy uses that because you erased that period, you you took it away, you you got rid of it, you blurred it, maybe you whited it out. Maybe there's more coming after it. No, there is no more coming after it. So as a Christian, we cannot operate in the world and accept worldly perspectives that sound like they're Christian. This is why it's important. Uh, you, you know, that we we know our God, we know what He wants from us, so that we can operate in the way He's wanted uh, us to operate, not in the way we want to operate for Him. So we go to, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 11 through 13. I just want to read this, because this is very, very crucial. For I have been informed about you, my brothers and sisters, by those of Chloe's household, that there are quarrels and there are factions among you. Now, I mean this, that each one of you says, I am a disciple of Paul, or I am a disciple of Apollos, or I am a disciple of Cephas, or I am a disciple of Christ. Has Christ been divided into different parts? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? So, what he is saying here is division is in the house. And and it's even coming in the guise of Christianity. Am I part of his house? Am I part of his church? Did he baptize me or did someone else baptize me? And this division kind of brings and allows the world to come in because when there's division, people react in a worldly fashion, they, they bring in fighting, they bring in emotions, they bring in quarreling, they bring in uh, envy, and, and there's, there's, there's strife, there's, there's problems. And when that is brought in, that is a snapshot, and I'm just talking about the body of Christ. That is a snapshot of spiritual immaturity, they did not grow beyond what is going on in front of them. This is all they can do. They didn't, they didn't go beyond it. They weren't stretched beyond it to grow into a spiritual maturity so that there wouldn't be any quarreling, there wouldn't be any division, there wouldn't be any faction. This is it. The brakes were put on right now at that moment uh, so we can see the spirit of division, and that is a worldly spirit. The lack of spiritual maturity will always have you behave like you're still part of the unsaved world. They accepted Jesus. They all belong to the same church. They all belong to the same doctrine, but they're arguing among themselves for an earthly matter which proves them spiritually immature. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. The goal is that it is to be on the mind of every authentic Christian. So the goal is this thought should be on the mind of every one that said, Jesus, you're my Lord, and Jesus, you're my Savior. Is to not fall into the trap of self-righteousness. Because what that is, is that is deception at its highest. Self-righteousness, when you can't see yourself as wrong anymore, that's a worldly uh, Perspective—that's a worldly viewpoint, and that's uh, that's based on deception. You think you know something, you think you are something, but if you step back in the spiritual, you're the only one that's saying that about yourself, and so you're deceiving yourself because the world is in your camp. We must always aim for a biblical relationship with God, and not through man, not through tradition and not through mechanics, the things that we, are, we think we're supposed to do. If the thought is in our head that I, this is what I think I should do for God, then 99% of the time it's wrong. It's because you haven't grown out of a worldly perspective, and that worldly perspective is pulling you down from spiritual growth and i go back to this, the, the next scripture in, in 1 Corinthians, um, probably verse 19. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, discarding his worldly pretensions and acknowledge his lack of wisdom so that he may become, through this process, truly wise. Well, most people will say, I'm not going to act the fool just to satisfy something. no, that's not what he's saying. If your mouth never opens, that is the first step uh, if if to, to understand the process of of, of what are the condition the nature of the condition, the mechanics of this worldly condition is i don't I don't know what that is until you speak until you act until you uh, do you find yourself doing something that is not godly, that is fully worldly, or or, or bending towards a, uh, a thought, or a, a law, or something that is worldly. They're painting it as good, but it's worldly. So what Paul is saying, that these things are part of the world, they're foolish. They have nothing good to offer you. So the first step, is moving away from the, the, the worldly position, the worldly stance. You first got to move away from it. in order there, Maybe there is even something before that. Uh, maybe that's recognizing something, and then you move away from it. Why don't we go down that road? You have to recognize it, just like you recognize something is a sin, and you step away from it with the, uh, with the process uh, or the thought of never doing it again. Uh, but we have to move away from it. The the second step would be realize that the time that we are in, what time are we in? Are we in a self-righteous time? Are are we in a self-promotion time? Or are we just, why don't we just call it the the time of self? If I am in that time of self and I recognize it, then I will be able to see, you know what, I'm operating in the world. I'm trying to balance two, two worlds. I'm trying to I'm trying to appease God and and what I should be doing for God, but I'm also trying to do stuff in the world and I'm bending towards those things that are ungodly. Uh, And the third step, you know what? It's better to become a fool. Really what he's saying is, it's better to be naive. Okay, there is power in here, but it's hidden in the word fool. It's better to be naive of those things. Of discarding the worldly opinions and discarding the worldly perspectives and come to the understanding of one's lack of godly wisdom. If I can see there's a lack, I can work through the word of God and through the relationship with God on fulfill or filling that filling that that lack. So that by these we would become wise in the things of God. As a Christian, not straddling two sides. Verse 19, same, same scripture. For the wisdom of this world, nailed it, right there, nailed it. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness. It's absurd. It's stupid. Before God, for it is written in the scriptures, he is the one who catches the wise and clever in their craftiness. The Word of God brings to the forefront the condition of the world that we are in. We're in a worldly world. We're in a fleshly world. It is one of absurdity. The Bible says, again, it's stupid nonsense and it's foolishness before a holy God. The worldly condition should never be able to enter a Christian life. The reality is, That without being in the Word of God daily, not not, not just on Sundays and not, not just on Bible studies, but daily, we need to be in the Word of God daily. I cannot, I cannot stress this enough. You cannot pick and choose the day you will incorporate the Word of God in your life and expect your life to run smoothly. Spiritually and naturally, you must include the word because the lack of constant exposure to the word of God weakens the strength and authenticity of the Christian. I don't know about you, but I want to be an authentic Christian. I don't want to be a fake Christian. I don't want to be a half Christian. I don't want to be a Christian of the world. I don't just call myself a Christian. I'm an authentic. I want to be an authentic. Christian. Here's a concept. James chapter 4, verse 4. Now, he, James says here, you adulteresses, which is disloyal sl- sinners, flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. So, once, once a Christian, there is a loyalty to God that is expected. So, in becoming a Christian, we've given up everything from the back, the past, and we are now moving forward with a loyalty to God. And this is an expectation. This is not a suggestion. The, the, the Bible is saying, you adulteresses. So, let's, let's break this down. What's an adulteress? Well, like, like a marriage, uh, man and woman are expected to be faithful to each other and not flirting with others. Thus, breaking your vow to each other, and then becoming adulterers. So there is a loyalty that we have to each other, and there is a loyalty that is a supernatural, divine loyalty that we have with God. He goes on, he says, Do you not know that being the world's friend, that is, loving the things of the world, is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So let's break this down, plain and simple. Two points. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. Friendship with the world is an enemy of God. You hate God, and you've placed yourself as an enemy of God he uses these words he, james is using some pretty strong language here because he's trying to get across to us right now how important and how critical this is that we must separate ourselves spiritually and physically from the processes and the perspectives and the distractions of the world he uses the word the word's hatred and he uses the words enemy to drive home the point. We can be in the world or in the kingdom, but not both. You want to be in the world? Be in the world. But you're not a Christian. If you say you're a Christian and you, you, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then this is the position that you operate from. They are both of these things are opposite from each other. They're opposite, they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. First John chapter 5, verse 19. We know for a fact that we are of God, and the whole world around us lies in the power of the evil one, opposing God and his precepts. So, those who choose worldliness choose to live in the enemy's camp. Period. There's that period again can't move it it's done can't erase it you can't do it you, you can't write in there in parentheses you know like sometimes uh, maybe uh, but not all the times no those who operate and they choose because this is a choice so that means you're you're choosing either to operate in the world or you're choosing to operate in the kingdom of God so this worldliness places you right smack in the middle of the enemy's camp and you are unprotected. No verse, no chapter, no nothing, because you are straddling a line that does not exist. And you chose that, and you're expecting the title of Christian to, to save you. To No, this is a, as I mentioned earlier, there is a period after you're serving. It's based on that. You, you committed. It's period. You're, there is nothing beyond that nothing to discuss. So the way I look at it, to to sum this all up, the choice is clear. Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 14 and 15. So that there are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea, and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine. To avoid worldliness, we must mature in the faith. We cannot be authentic Christians and participate in the fleshly world.